0: My name is Ashley Ranksmith, and um, I am the Director of Family Ministry and Community Life here at Bethany, West Seattle. I have been on staff for a total of three months. It's been crazy. It's been a wild ride so far, and um, I'm Pernice is out of town this weekend. Obviously, I do not look like him, and um, he um, has asked me to bring the word today. Before I moved to Seattle about three years ago, I worked at a church down in Alabama, and I gave sermons quarterly and um, hung out in a bar because the church was conveniently in a bar, which is cool. Um, But it has been three years to the exact weekend that I've given a sermon. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I am just going to... uh, Take up some of the courage that we're going to talk about today um, when we were talking about Abigail. um, Another beautiful, strong, courageous, humble, wise woman in the Bible that you may have heard of and you may not have heard of. So I'm taking up some courage to speak to you. I'm nervous. Thank you ahead of time for your grace this morning as we continue to move forward. So um, today we are going to see how a woman of great courage saved a lot of lives because of her wisdom, because of her humility, um, and then we're also going to talk about how our insecurities can destroy us, and they are not God's plan for us. Um, so David is one of the characters in God's scripture, and he was known as a man after God's own heart, um, but in First Samuel 25, which is where we're going to be today, Abigail was displaying the heart of God. Um, In this story. So, um, there is a lot of scripture today. Um, It's a long story, and I thought that it would be a disservice not to actually read most of it. So, we're gonna kind of walk through it. You can follow along in a Bible. I think there's some Bibles in the pew. Phones have Bibles now. Um, And all of the scripture is gonna be on the screen today. Um, So, we're gonna talk about insecurity, wisdom. and what our choices are. So uh, thank you. We're excited. It's going to be great. Oh, and so in this story, there are these two men, one being her husband, who is kind of a fool, and then David, who is not operating in his calling, and Abigail, who comes in with her humility and courage and wisdom and kind of saves the day. But I do not want to paint this picture of, oh, man, girls rule and boys drool, (laughs) <laughs> or, here is this woman surrounded by all of these knuckleheads, let's watch her fix the situation. That's not kind of what I want to talk about. I want to take each of these characters and really talk about the things that we can learn from each of them. So, that's what we're going to do. Please don't think that I think that boys rule. I mean, drool. So, <clears throat> alright, we're going to get started. First Samuel, chapter 25, verse 2. And there was a man in Maon, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all of this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? All right, so there's a beautiful picture of what is happening so far. Um, Nabal, as you can see, is kind of a jerk. Um, before we even learn his name in this passage of scripture, we learn that he is super wealthy. So Back in the beginning, it says, man, there's this really rich guy. He had a ton of sheep and a ton of goats. Oh, yeah, his name is Nabal. So the thing that stands out is this guy has a lot of wealth, and he really likes it that way. Um, So what's happening in this scene? There's shearing happening. So that's like a big festival. Um, There's a lot of food. There's a lot of drinking. Crazy things are happening. People are staying up late. I'm, that's all the picture I'm gonna paint for you for that. But it's gluttony, and there's it's a time to take stock of your blessings. So that's what's happening. There's and it's not just Nabal and his men. There's tons of people that are there shearing, um, and it's just a huge feast time. So before this event took place, um, David had already been prophesied to be king. He had been anointed by Samuel to be the next king after Saul. And everybody around knew who he was. It wasn't that he was some stranger. He had tons of people following him, hundreds and hundreds of men and women who knew who he was. Um, And he was famous. Um, And while the shearing was happening, David and his army were providing protection for Nabal and his men. So no one got harmed, that no wolves came and Stole sheep and things like that. So they were providing a service for Nabal. Um, And they did a good job. It says in the scripture that they did a great job. You can ask your men. No harm came to anybody. We all got along. It was beautiful. And David asked him in a respectful way. I don't know if you guys remember, but it was like, peace to you, peace to your household, peace to everything that you touch. And it was really, really respectful. And he comes and says, Bless your son. Um, but he was really just asking for a payment for services because David had been doing a service and providing a service for Nabal. And that payment was to feed his men. Um, please, in your season of excess, while you're partying, while you're feasting, while you're drinking, spare a little food for my men that provided a service for you. That's when Nabal, as we saw, basically laughed in the face of David and said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? And that was foolish. He knew who David was. Everybody knew who David was. That was him showing his insecurity. Um, He says, there are many servants these days that are breaking away from their masters. That was a huge insult. And it also leads us to see where the bulk of Nabal's insecurities lie in the fact that he really took stock in his wealth. He was prideful. He didn't want to share that. And um, he, he says the servants are breaking away from their masters. He's afraid that his power is going to be taken away from these people because his servants are going to leave him because David is a servant that has left his master, who was Saul, the king. Um, so, Nabal is this picture of foolishness and of pride. So, um, his name actually means fool. Um, I don't know who gave him that name. As a parent, I wouldn't give my child the name fool. Um, so, we don't know if, if that was something that was just determined um, from his character. But people knew him as foolish. They knew him as kind of a hard-hearted and bad bad dude. So his name literally means full. Um, so the point from this is if we don't acknowledge those who have helped us get to where we are, we run the risk of thinking that we've done it on our own. Um, so Nabal, here he is, he is shearing sheep, celebrating his wealth and not acknowledging the fact that David protected his men, protected his wealth. Um, and did a huge service to him, helped him get to this place where he could actually shear sheep. Um, We run the risk of thinking we've done it on our own. So be grateful, be gracious, be generous, be humbled. So God's economy is a little weird on this. So if you want to live, you have to die. And if you want to be first, you have to be last. And if you want to lead, you have to get ready to serve. And if you want to love, get ready to humble yourself. And if you want to be honored, get ready to honor. And Nabal is not doing any of these things. Um, In 1 Peter 5, 5 on the screen, um, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It's a lesson later on in the New Testament um, but the way forward, what we're seeing here, as we're tying this in, that the way of submission is, is the way is the submission of the cross, to the cross in your life. There is no other way. We have to be humble. We have to be aware of our brokenness. Um, people, as I was growing up, I was probably thinking that, man, it's really hard to be humbled. I don't want to lose everything and or... Um, display all of my brokenness for the world to see and tell everybody, oh man, here are these pictures of sin in my life that I'm working on. Um, From an earthly standard, that's really hard to do, to proclaim these things. But um, I just have this vision of standing before the throne, before God, um, stripped away. Um, And all of that is visible. Every brokenness, every piece of sin, everything that I've done wrong, every, every little thing, it's displayed before him. And he sees it, and he loves it, and he honors it because he loves you. So stop hiding and approach the throne and learn from your brokenness and be made whole because of that. Um, so we're going to keep going, First Samuel 25, 12 and 13. Um, So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword, and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. So you can see there's a lot of guys with David right now. And David is furious. He was just insulted by a big time, in front of a lot of people. Um, so, like we said before, David is a man after God's own heart. In Acts 13, 22, it says, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. But in 1 Samuel 25, he's a king, an anointed king, so he's not king yet, who is an outlaw because there is a reigning king, Saul. So he's an outlaw, he's hiding, um, and But he's famous because everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows that Samuel said, oh, this guy's going to be king. You guys just wait. He is going to be a great king. Um, and now the chapter before this, in First Samuel 24, David had an opportunity to kill Saul. And he didn't. He spared him. And he said, the time will come. God will provide the time. He will raise me up in time. So he just spared Saul's life. In chapter 26, which is right after the one of the story of Abigail, he spares Saul's life again. He, everybody is sleeping in Saul's encampment, and David sneaks in and steals the spear that's next to Saul's head and then moves it away, showing everybody that he could have had the opportunity to kill Saul and rise up and be king. He had that choice to make on his own, and he spared him again. So David understands in the depths of his soul that God is going to raise him up. God is going to follow through on this prophecy. Um, But in 25, when he's insulted and disrespected, he loses it. He just loses his mind. And he's like, man, I am going to kill every single person in your household. It says later on in this chapter, the sun will not rise with one person of Nabal's household still alive. He is furious. Um, so But David is a man after God's own heart, but he is still in the process of becoming because it is a process. We're always learning. We're always taking steps into our calling. Um, but the great question that plagued David was, am I going to establish myself Am I going to take over, or am I going to let God establish me? Who do you trust to establish you? Are you waiting for God to present to you these opportunities to lead, or have you taken matters into your own hands? What does that look like for you? Um, David had been restraining on Saul, and he loses it. He was ready to murder hundreds of people out of disrespect. Um. Now, I want to talk a little bit about anger, because there's a, there's a difference between righteous anger and anger from vengeance. Anger is going to happen, but it can be a foothold of Satan. In Ephesians 4, um, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. One author says, anger is an instinctive, automatic response to unfairness. When we feel angry, there's something wrong in our lives. And anger provides the energy required to make it right. So, in short, it's okay to be angry. Scripture is full of people that get really angry. Mark 3, Jesus looked on with anger and he healed a man. Genesis 31, Jacob was angry with Laban's treatment. Exodus 11, Moses is angry with Pharaoh. Exodus 32, Moses sees people worshiping idols and he gets angry. Um, Nehemiah, witnessing um, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, he gets angry. So scripture is full of people that get angry. It's okay to be angry. Um, If anger is leading to worship of God, our protection of God's people, then be angry, but do not sin. We're going to talk more about anger and what that looks like as we go into our Ephesians series in the next few weeks. So... Wait, wait for that. Um, but most of the time, if we dissect our anger, um, it's out of defensiveness and insecurity, um, feeling like our rights are being ignored. Um, so, is your anger? If you're holding on to any anger, is it stemming from insecurity? Or because uh, if it is, you ha- you need to let it go. David was acting out of insecurity. And was not walking in the calling that God had for him. David was about to kill a bunch of people. Because he was insecure about what God had called him to do. Um, Hear this. Insecurity destroys the image of God. Your insecurity will destroy the image of God in your life. Um, Nabal's foolishness stemmed out of his insecurity. David's anger... Um, and it is all outside of this imago Dei, the image of God. Um, it's all out, it's, It contradicts this design that God has of you flourishing by loving him and loving others. Pride and anger are two sides of the same coin of insecurity and fear. If you want to defeat pride in your life, exercise humility. Want to defeat anger in your life? exercise courage and wisdom. The emotions that we act on stems from our insecurities, and they're keeping us enslaved and not looking like the image of God. So trust that God is calling you to wisdom, flowing from a, a place of knowing your brokenness. So I just insecurity destroys the image of God. Um, so we are going to keep moving along in the story. Um, the next thing that we see is Abigail. She is the heroine of the story. And I love that we have been talking about um, women of the Bible in this series. Um, And they've been kind of obscure women that maybe you don't know about or haven't really studied in depth. So I'm really excited that we are talking about people like her this morning. So she's a heroine. She is discerning and beautiful. We read that in the beginning. And she is a woman after God's own heart. She is literally displaying God's heart to David coming up. Um, she is a type of Christ in this story as she puts herself, she just puts herself on the line um, to save the lives of her household. So um, her, her name means Father Rejoice or Father's Joy and her very life gives joy. And she was married to an ungrateful, foolish, bad, mean man. So she had it rough. Um, To say that she was in a bad situation regarding her marriage is an understatement. She could have easily slipped into a place of withdrawal or brokenness or blame, um, blaming her parents, blaming God blaming Nabal but she didn't she could allowed these circumstances these bad circumstances to continue to drag her down such that her faith in God is diminished but she didn't so we're going to keep reading verse 14 one of the servants told Abigail Nabal's wife David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings but he hurled insults at him Yet, these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now, think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sias of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. The one thing in this passage that sticks out to me is that when she became aware of this problem that she was facing, of her husband's foolishness, of the fact that somebody was coming to attack her entire household, she acted quickly. She didn't sit and worry. She didn't make a pros and cons list. She acted. She knew what needed to be done. She used the wisdom that God instilled in her, and she acted quickly. When we... Are seeing things that are wrong or unjust or evil in this world? Are are we acting? We are confronted every single day, and I wish that that was an exaggeration, but it is not, with something that is not right, with um, racial inequality, um, gender inequality, homelessness, food insecurity, You name it. There are things that we are seeing in the world from the news, from social media, standing in line at Starbucks. it's happening every day. What are we doing? Are we acting? As the church, people that God has instilled his wisdom, people who are supposed to be displaying the image of God, not walking around in in our insecurities, are we acting? Are we doing something about it? Are we humbling ourselves and saying, here I am. I'm going to act. This is not right. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do my part to fix this. And now at the end, you you saw how she didn't tell Nabal what she was doing. Um, And I don't think that that was her being super secretive or um, I think it was her trying to honor him. Um, in her own way. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But it's a picture of a dysfunctional family, for sure. Um, A family system that's not communicating all the time. No one wants to confront each other. Um, And culturally, at this time, if the head of household was faulty, then everybody is faulty. Um, So she didn't really have the place to not be faulty, according to their culture. But instead of waiting for all of these people to be killed, her life would probably have been spared because she was a woman. David was really kind of only after the men um, of the household, so the, his name would die out. So she could have been spared from her husband if, if she had let everything happen. She could have been spared from this really terrible relationship that she was in with this really bad guy, but she didn't. She acted, and she decided to say, something is wrong here, I'm going to act, and I'm going to fix this. She doesn't worry about it. She doesn't think about it. She doesn't think, oh, man, it could be better if I, you know, played it out this way and let God, you know, save me from this bad relationship. But she said, I'm going to save the lives of the people of my household. Verse 23 and 24 says, when Abigail saw David, this is on the screen, I think. Maybe not. She hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. The servants have already passed David. So the people that she sent out with all the wine and the figs and the raisins and all that stuff, they have already passed David and he was still coming. He was not relenting. He was continuing to come and All of the food had already passed him. Um, But Abigail disarms him. She was brave. This guy was on a war path, had his sword on his belt, ready to go. And she runs up and bows down before David. Bravery on display. Her bravery was acted out in humility. She got down on her feet. She bowed down to him. And she begged for forgiveness and took the guilt upon herself. The guilt of insulting David that she had nothing to do with, that she didn't see, she took it. On me alone be the blame. Again, she's acting like Christ. She's taking the guilt. She's taking our guilt because she didn't see it. But when she sees it, she intervenes. When she sees it, she acts. So she gives this really long speech, and we are going to read it, and um, I want you to listen for the words, my Lord and servant, as we're reading it. So this is the speech that she gives to David as she is prostrated before him, taking on the guilt of her husband. So, let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord, whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation in himself. And when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your servant. It's oh, a lot because she says my Lord um, like 12 times to David in this speech that she gives him. And then she says that I am your servant like six or seven times. Um, So it's just, she diffuses the situation by being humble. And she intercedes. If her wisdom didn't intervene, if her actions didn't intervene, then the foolishness of Nabal um, and the anger of David, that cocktail of emotions, those insecure emotions, would have led to murder and destruction if she didn't step in. She turned to David and she went to honor Nabal. She went to protect her household, his household, through her intercession. When we think of the word intercession, and I don't know if you've really thought about it before, we talk about intercession a lot with like prayer and how um, we are interceding with God on behalf of another person. Um, But Abigail interceded in a different way. She was interceding with David on behalf of God. She became the voice of God to David. When we speak, are we truth-telling Are we displaying the voice of God in our words as we're encountering things that are wrong? Um, Her actions spared David from using his power um, for destruction. She saved him from blood guilt. She saved him from when he was king for remembering that he killed hundreds and hundreds of people for disrespect. She intervened, and she said that. And God uses this woman to affirm David's calling and to affirm David's best version of himself. She, she says, this isn't you. Don't do it. This isn't who you are. God has called you to this. You don't need this blood guilt. You don't need this. It's huge. He, she helps keep his sword free from innocent blood. You no. godly people get it wrong. As we can see here, David got it wrong. People that love the Lord sometimes get it wrong. Um, David's not perfect. We're not perfect. So later in David's life, we see that he's not perfect. Was he a chosen king by a God? Yeah. Was he the greatest king in the history of Israel? Yeah. Probably. Probably. Um, and was he always right? No. He wasn't. Sometimes our reluctance to step in and defuse a situation is because this person that is speaking or doing wrong is important and well liked and well educated, or or something. Um, and and David was. He was called and anointed, but that didn't stop Abigail for proclaiming God's truth to him um, in a humble way, in a way where she bowed herself before him and said, God has called you for more than this. You are wrapped up in the bosom of God, and your enemies are going to be slung from you. You don't need this. Godly people can be wrong. Um, and even though David was famous, he, Abigail stepped in and said the things that he needed to hear. She acted to prevent Nabal and everybody else's death. She wasn't trying to be deceitful. deceitful. She was showing clear-heartedness. She, again, like I said earlier, she could have let this bad guy die and she would have been spared from this terrible marriage, but she's not a slave to bitterness even though she has a right to be bitter in this situation. She says, even in this challenge, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful because I know that God has called this guy to to more. It's in your hardest times that you endure, the most challenging times, the times when you're probably it's deserved to be really bitter. Um, That's the times that reveal the most about your faith in Christ. Um, Verse 29 Says, if men rise up to pursue and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living and the care of the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And this is prophecy. This is prophecy. God was speaking directly through Abigail to David. She was affirming the calling on David's life, she was assuring David that his life was bound to God like a mother to a child, and that his enemies would be slung out from him. Abigail, in this section, in that speech, in the time where she acts, is displaying all the characteristics of wisdom and leadership. She acts, she listens, she accepts responsibility, and she leads. Um, When I was prepping the story... Um, and preparing the sermon, it reminded me of another woman who acted, who didn't worry, who didn't worry about the consequences. She acted. Um, and that was Corey Tin Boom. Here's a picture of her. Um, her word says, worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. Man, that's huge. So um, just a little bit about her. If you do not remember history class in high school, or if, I don't even know if people in Seattle cover this. I don't know. I'm from Alabama. So um, 1922, she became the first female licensed watchmaker in Holland. And in May of 1940, the Nazis invaded Netherlands. the Netherlands. And at um, the age of 48, she decided that she had to do something to help. She saw something wrong, and she said, I am going to do something. So she created a closet for the Jews. For Jews who were hiding from the Nazis, she created a safe space for them to land. Um, Eventually, she was arrested and taken to a prison camp. In 1944, she and her sister were both arrested in a prison camp, and she, um, they quoted, there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we've been here. And in that prison camp, Betsy and Corey held worship services in the midst of a Nazi prison camp after they had already been arrested. She saw something wrong. She knew that people needed to see the heart of God, and she started to lead worship services. Um, they had smuggled in Bibles, translated them to different languages so everybody could understand. Um, people said that she and her sister were little previews of heaven. Um, Twelve days later, Corey was released from prison due to a clerical error. The, a week after her release, um, every woman in that camp was killed. In 1946, at the age of 53, she started a worldwide ministry that took her to more than 60 countries over 33 years and gave her the opportunity to share God's love and hope with so many people. She says, We have nothing to fear because Jesus is the victor and he will never let us down. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be. She saw a problem, she saw something wrong, and she acted. So we're going to keep going Um, the last little bit. What happens after she prostrates herself in front of David? Verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there, would, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted you a petition. So because of Abigail, David relents. He recognizes what she said was the voice of God. The first thing that he says is "Blessed be the Lord," because he knew that the words that she said were from God. We're meant to be strong and courageous, and at times, um, conflict with people—the uh, people of God—is unavoidable. But when it isn't avoidable, we're meant to be people of peace and truth tellers. So, as the band makes their way forward. Um, As we sing another song, uh, know that to not let your insecurities, the insecurities of this world, destroy God's image in you. David almost murdered a whole bunch of people because someone disrespected him. That would have been sin. And that sin may have even disqualified him from becoming king Um, but abigail saved him because she listened to god she was the word of god to david nabal his foolishness and his pride and his love of wealth and his love of power almost brought down his entire household everybody that served him was gonna die Abigail, Abigail's courage and her bravery and her wisdom to act um, saved many men from death and destruction. Courage calls you to be humble, not enslaved by pride or anger. And God may ask you to intercede for some. Act boldly when He calls you and speak truth to others, or He may ask you to lay to death your insecurities and humble yourself before the cross so as we sing this song ask God um, to reveal to you what some of your insecurities are ask him um, to reveal in your heart where the things are that are wrong that you need to act on Um, I pray that he speaks to you this morning